First Corinthians chapter six. Uh, in verse one, let's say, when you have a dispute with another believer, how dare you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter instead of taking it to other believers? Don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? And since we are going to judge the world, can't you even decide these little things among yourselves? Don't you realize that we will judge angels? So you should surely be able to resolve ordinary disputes in this life. And he goes on to say, you know, you, you, you should have, why do you have to go outside to, to discuss things that should be open and, and dialogue is so important. But he goes on to say in verse 5, I am saying this to shame you. Isn't there anyone in the, all the church who is wise enough to decide these issues? But instead, one believer sues another right in front of unbelievers. Even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? And um, he goes on to say, Don't you realize in verse 9 that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or sexual immorality or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people or slanderers, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. Hallelujah. Say, I was cleansed. <laughs> Whoa. I was getting kind of nervous there. But here we are. <laughs> I was cleansed. I was made holy. I was made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And you see, uh, it's, uh, people think sometimes that they're so deep in their problems or so deep in sin or so deep in, in, in all kinds of issues that, that it's impossible. It feels like an impossible situation. And yet the Lord says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And... Uh, it goes on there to say, you know, uh, in the world, in the world's culture, it says I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You know, that's true even in, in the most physical, basic things like our diet. Uh, you know, uh, and even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. And he goes on then down along. You can read it yourself after. But uh, in a verse, let's see, fifteen. Don't you realize? that your bodies are actually part of Christ. Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. For the scriptures say the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord, look at this, is one spirit with him. And that's why the spirit of God, you know, lives inside of us. Because of what Jesus endured and went through for us on the cross. And, and you know, he paid the price for our sins to be forgiven so that we could be brought back into God into God's family in right standing with him, covered, protected, uh, blessed, provided for, uh, forgiven, uh, you know, and the thing is, is that, like we said Thursday night, the Holy Spirit is like the conduit, like the, the, 
the electrical wire that takes the, the power from the source and, and brings it to whatever you need it. The Holy Spirit is like our spiritual umbilical cord. And, uh, you know, it is him inside of us who transforms us. It is he inside of us. It's the presence of Almighty God lives inside of us. And it is him who speaks to us. He's the one who guides us and directs us. Many people think, oh, you know, uh, I did this great thing or I did that great thing or I did this bad thing or that bad thing. And they think, you know, it's, it's, it's out of yourself. Listen, there, it's either God or the devil who's speaking to people and they're following one or the other. And when it's, when it's the Lord who's speaking to us, you know, it says every good and perfect gift uh, comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no shadow, no change, and no turning. God never changes. God is good. He's good all the time. And it's the goodness of God leads to repentance. But you know, many people have gone off, just like what we've read there, you know, uh, in, in all kinds of sin, in all kinds of perversion, in all kinds of doing it my way. They sing Frank Sinatra every day of the week. I did it my way. Nobody tell me what to do, you know. And the thing is, is that in the kingdom of God, just like in any army or in any business or in any any place of, of you know, where you need to have order, there has to be a yieldedness to authority. And Jesus himself yielded to the Father. And, and that's why it says, you know, at the end that he yielded up his spirit and, and he left his life go to the Father. But um, anyway, it's the Holy Spirit who has made us to be one spirit with God. And it goes on to say in 18, run from sexual sin. This is still 1 Corinthians 6, 18. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For immorality, immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and who was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. And, you know, that's with your, with your physical life. And uh, many people are, are, you know, consumed with, with uh, you know... Uh, just all kinds of issues and, and, and if they only realized that turning to God, turning to him, you know, and, and allowing him, yielding to his authority, yielding, not stepping one, you know, just, but yielding to his authority in your life, the things that he will, he says, we read it there as well last night, didn't we? I has not seen, nor ear has heard. Let's read that. It's in First um, Corinthians two, yeah. First Corinthians two. Just back a couple of pages. Sorry, I jumped into this now and I forgot to say good morning, everybody. Is a proper, but uh, yeah, we're we're still we're still going back. But uh, in 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 First Corinthians chapter two, and it says. In verse. Um, In verse 4, in my message and my preaching, this was Paul, was very clear. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Yet when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. 
nor the wisdom we speak is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And you see, uh, Jesus, that's why it's, people are often you know, looking at Jesus and saying, why, why did he have to go through all that? He endured the cross for the joy that was set before it. And the joy that was set before him was seeing all of us being able to be given that ticket, uh, you know, of, of salvation, Amen. paid for in full, <clears throat> without having to try and pay for it ourselves, because we could never, we could never do enough right and do enough good things and be a nice enough person, because all of us have sinned and fall short of God's glory. But God is so gracious and merciful that he sent his own son, he came down himself, and, and he, he, you know, gave himself so that all of us could be brought back into his family. Mm-hmm. And how he achieved that, Jesus as a human being, as a, as a man uh, walking in the flesh, could only be in one place at one time. But he said, when he said, I'm going back to the Father, but I won't leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you alone. Never again will I leave you. That's why the veil was torn. Never again was man going to be separated from God. The veil in the temple was torn the instant that Jesus gave up his spirit and died on the cross. It said, and the veil was ripped in two from top to bottom. The veil was over 50 feet high. There was no way any man could have ripped that from top to bottom. It was the power and the presence of God now leaving the temple that was made by hands. And from now on, God would live in temples of human beings who would receive his son. And that's why he's saying here, your eyes have, let's say it together. Father God, my eyes have not seen, my ears have not heard, and my mind cannot imagine what you have prepared and stored up for me. Because I love you, Lord. But it was your Holy Spirit who reveals these things to me. Amen. Amen. And so that's what it says. But it was to us that God revealed these things. How? By his spirit. For his spirit, that's a capital S for the Holy Spirit, searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Praise the Lord. You know, people go through life uh, and, and are often wondering about things and, and maybe, you know, have never have had answers and things like that if you ask God he said if you ask me anything I will answer you it says he will reveal the secret hidden treasures of the earth to you he will receive he will release the the secret things of his heart the treasures of his heart to you you know we're you are on the cusp and on on you know no matter what age of of life you're at Sometimes people think, oh, you know, I've slowed down now, or I didn't go to college, or I missed it, or, or whatever, or I'm too young, or I'm too old, or whatever. Listen, you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, and you are on, on the cusp of, of 
just greatness of, of hearing wisdom far beyond your intellect, your education, your status, uh, far beyond anything. And, and that is why the Lord, you know, how could he use David, a 17-year-old boy? How could he use him when the whole army of Israel could not and would not step out on that field for fear? And yet a young boy... A teenage boy ran out onto that field and confronted that giant and spoke to him and said, like you read the last night, Mag, I do not come uh, to you with, with, uh, with anything other than with the name of the Most High God, whom you have defied today, and he will give you into my hands. And you see, David was totally yielded. That's why God, and I was just reading it there in a few Psalms and different places, where God constantly mentions, uh, even to David's descendants far down the line, yet I won't do this for you, but I will do it for, my, uh, for, for David, uh, for my friend David. You know, David's heart was to hear what was on God's heart and to carry out his purpose and to know that God was in him and with him and for him. <coughs> and it's time that people's minds and mindsets mindsets start shifting uh, from the way that we have grown up to think that God is against us and that he is, you know, horrible or doing bad things or, or watching for every move you make, you know, that's what drives the religious spirit. Uh, you know, I better be a good girl or I better be, holy God is watching you, you know, and, and, and what it does is it grooms people to have a mindset of, of, of separation from God. But that's why Jesus died, so the veil could be torn in two. And so that God could now dwell in mankind, in human beings, in every man, woman, and child who would call upon the name of Jesus and that he would lead and direct and guide us and love us, uh, provide for us, you know, have fellowship with us every day. You are never alone. You are never alone with the Spirit of God. And so uh, it's the Holy Spirit who reveals all these things. And Paul went on there, you know, he said... Uh, we have received in 12, uh, this is 1 Corinthians 2, 12. We have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who are not spiritual cannot receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolishness to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things. But they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts and who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things because we have the mind of Christ. And so what he's saying there is, is that you, you try and, and speak to people about the things of God or about, listen, maybe you shouldn't do things that way because maybe this is a better way. We read there, did we read that last week? Um, I can't even remember. But in, in Acts 27, when Paul was uh, being taken as prisoner to Rome and they put him on a ship that was going to Rome and the Lord spoke to him and said, they shouldn't go out in this weather because there's a huge storm coming and it's going to ruin the ship. 
And uh, he told them that, he warned them, he said, men, please stay another while, there's a terrible storm coming. They wouldn't listen to him. Off they went on the ship. Um, it, was a, it wasn't a prisoner ship, it was actually a merchant ship. And so it had great and vast wealth upon it uh, that they were carrying uh, to Rome. And, uh, of course, you know what happened? There was this ginormous storm that lasted over two weeks. Uh, they did not have any... Uh, anything to eat uh, they couldn't and and everything you know they had to actually throw everything overboard at the end to try and save the ship um, everything all the cargo they were carrying all the wealth everything and he said I told you and uh, the uh, the angel of the Lord came to him that night and, and spoke to him and said the ship is going to be shipwrecked but they won't I won't let anyone uh, I will let no life perish but, you know, and Paul said it to them. He said, uh, all of you are going to be saved. Don't worry, but the ship is going to be wrecked. And had you listened to me when I told you, uh, you know, you wouldn't have lost all your wealth here. And uh, so, you know, it's the spirit of God who, who guides us and teaches us and, and shows us the way to go. The Lord says in Psalm 32, I will instruct you with my own eye. Uh, he will teach us all things. And so we can have the mind of Christ. And you see, that's where the rest comes and where the peace comes because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And even in very difficult circumstances or times of extreme turmoil, you can have stability and peace in your life, in your heart, because you know that by the Spirit of God living inside of you, you know the promises of God and you know that God is true and that he is faithful and that he will bring a solution and bring you out the other side. But for those who, who aren't, uh, you know, going to call upon the Lord or who, who are just, you know, and, and right now we're seeing extreme perversion and all kinds of things being, being just, uh, you know, pummeling people off of social media, off of the news and all kinds of things. And, and listen, that's going to get them nowhere, only the total road to destruction. But for those who will call upon the name of the Lord, you can have the mind of Christ. You can have stability and peace even Amen. in the midst of storms. And so, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We are his temple. And that's why, you know, he's he said back there in, in 1 Corinthians 6, don't have anything to do with sin. Um, and he gives that explanation there of, of should a man join his body to a prostitute? And you see what happens is, is and it's, it's, it's widespread. It's, you know, in fact, now if you're not doing it, there's something wrong with you. Uh, to be off, you know, uh, having affairs or, or you know, uh, one night stands and all kinds of things uh, going on in, in the culture of the day. And, and for somebody who's not doing it, they, they mock them and ridicule them and say there's you know, something wrong with them. But the thing is, is that uh, as God has so often said in his word, that our relationship with him is reflected in the marriage relationship between a man, one man and one woman. And that that union... Of, of the man and the woman is, is a reflection of how God loves his church. And that's why his church is called the Bride of Christ. And so he's, Jesus said that the Bride of Christ will be presented to him as a bride without spot or wrinkle. And, uh, you know, that, and just to, to say like that, for, for where that's going on, 
um, it, it needs to be repented of and, and every soul tie to those previous people need to be severed and cut and, and you know, uh, repented of because it, it's really a reflection of idolatry. Idolatry is no different from it, uh, from, from sexual sin because it's giving yourself to somebody else. And, uh, you know, the Lord says, I am the Lord, worship no God but me. And... Um, so I, I would say that, you know, you will be ministering to people who are in all kinds of problems and issues. And one thing you need to, to ask them is, is, you know, if you've been with other sexual partners before you got married, you need to repent of it. And you need to renounce it. And you need to sever those soul ties. Because, you see, that uh, act of intercourse is, is a covenant. It's a blood covenant. That's why the woman, uh, you know normally sheds blood at the first time because it's a blood covenant and Jesus made a blood covenant with us when he gave his life and so uh, you know there are people and that there are all kinds of messed up depression anxiety all kinds of, of mental health issues and and other issues as well uh, all kinds of sicknesses and diseases and they don't realize that they're carrying with them Covenants that have been made with, with other people from the past that need to be repented of and, and the cards severed to it, all right? And, and it will be something you will come across in ministry as you minister to people, you know, and uh, you need to be mindful of that. You have the mind of Christ and you are now a temple of the Holy Spirit. And uh, hallelujah, it went really quiet and it's okay. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> That's actually not what, what today is about at all, would you believe? <laughs> but um, I don't know how we got into that, but maybe it is important for you to understand it, all right? Because. Oh, it... I didn't get wrong name yet. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. But um, praise the Lord. So you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Thank you Jesus. Jesus. Yes, you are, yes, you are, you're the temple. Yes, you are, yes, you are, you're the temple. Yes, you are, yes, you are, you're the temple. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Yes, I am, yes, I am, I'm the temple. Yes, I am, yes, I am, I'm the temple. Yes, I am, yes, I am. Lord, we praise you and we thank you today. You know, that's the thing about the Lord, which I really like about him. God is honest and he deals with things straight up. And, uh, you know, it's, it's much easier to deal with things that way. Uh, for so long, you know, things get covered up and people get afraid to say or speak out on, on subjects or whatever. And, you know, all around them, a whole world is, is being destroyed. People, human beings, human lives. And uh, praise God. Um, I just wanted to look at um, a few scriptures, so will you flick with me quickly? Uh, one of them is in Exodus chapter 1, and I just want to encourage you that 
Just like that scripture that we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Listen, you have bigger fish to fry. And that's what I heard the Lord speak this week. You have bigger fish to fry. And uh, there's things that are going on where the enemy has been trying to derail you. He's been trying to rock you. He's been trying to, to, you know, crush you. And the devil's a liar. And you will, uh, you know, hear things uh, very often, you know, where, where you hear the enemy speaking into people's, into people's lives where he's saying, this is impossible, this is never going to work out, nobody is going to help you, uh, you know, none of this is true. And uh, I just want to encourage you. Okay, so in Exodus chapter 1, Eileen, you never turn down the dial, would you, <laughs> on the wall there? Do you see that dial? Because the heat is really hot. <laughs> just to, turn it down to like 20 maybe, thank you. There's numbers on it, yeah. <laughs> Um, praise the Lord. In Exodus chapter 1, where is this? The Israelites were in Egypt. They had been brought there by Joseph and his brothers had come first. Uh, Joseph came first and you know all the, 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 uh, the things that he went through and then he brought his brothers when there was a famine and then they, they lived and they prospered very much in Egypt um, but it was never their forever home God was going to bring them back to Israel again uh, they just had to come out of there because of the famine that was in the land and, um, but what happened was, was that Pharaoh who uh, was was uh, so impacted by Joseph, died, and a new king took over, who knew nothing about Joseph or what he'd done, and Joseph was long dead at this stage, and his brothers. And so in verse 8, eventually a new king came to power in Egypt, who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. And he said to his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us, and they will escape from our country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. And that's what happens. Egypt is always a reflection of the world in the, in the word of God. You know, in, in Isaiah 30, God rebukes his people for saying, you went to Egypt for help. You went to the world for help. You didn't come to me. And now you're going to reap the result of living with Egypt. And, you know, so that's what Egypt represents. Um, this is symbolic, okay? I'm not talking against Egyptians or anything like that. The Lord loves all his children. But um, anyway, the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. And they appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down to afflict them with crushing labor. So you really, you get such a description in the language here. They were afflicted and they were crushed and, and they were being made to toil and to strive and to work and, and none of it, you know, was for any gain because they were now slaves. And they forced them to build these cities, Pitham and Ramesses, as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, hallelujah, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread. 
And I want to encourage you with that today. That the more the devil has been trying to press you and crush you, the more the Lord is going to bring increase uh, to you and, and multiplication. Because, you know, the devil is a liar. And um, so uh, the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. And they even went on. You know, that wasn't enough for him. And, and that's what happens with the, the demonic. Is, is, it's, it's never enough for the devil. You know, uh, there's constant pushing. And, and this is what you're seeing right now play out in front of you. And, and make no bones about it. The whole transgender and globalist and climate change agenda is all one. And, and it is snowballing and becoming bigger and bigger. Uh, it, it's actually shocking, even in the last number of months, the way it has exploded and is now being portrayed as normal. And anybody who does not agree with it is not normal. Okay, And so it's really Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 playing out in front of our eyes. Woe to them who call evil good and who call good evil. Woe to them, says the Lord. But anyway, um, this is what happened. They, 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 the more that the Egyptians pressed them, the, the, the more the Israelites increased, the more they pressed them more. And, you know, that's what happens when you're going through trials or difficult situations. It can feel like that, that there is no way out and that it's actually getting worse. And that's the enemy. That's how he operates. And he's a liar. Yeah. And um, so what they went on then for was their children. And he, he told the midwives, there was two midwives here who were ministering to the Israelites. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, notice it's a baby, not a baby. Uh, if the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders and they allowed the boys to live too. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Why have you done this, he demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, the midwives replied. They are more vigorous and have their babies so quickly we cannot get there in time. Uh, so God was good to the midwives and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. Hallelujah. Amen. And because, I'll just finish it. He, uh, because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. And then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. Why do they want the girls? For slaves. Why do they not want the boys? Because they want to uh, remove the masculinity and the, the uh, effect that a man can have. And that's what's happening in our society today. They are making men into women in order to remove masculinity, uh, in order to remove any possible defense, because it is always the men who defended the women and the children. Okay? And that's exactly what's at the root of that gender, that whole thing, have nothing to do with it, I'm telling you. And, and 
just just watch it because they're going to hang on their own gallows that they have set up just as Haman hung on his gallows you know God will not allow and these people they are on a path of utter destruction and they need to repent especially for look you know people can live any way they want if they want to live in in homosexual relationships let them do it I have no problem with that that's their decision every one of us is a free will but don't try and and push it down on top of all of society and say that there's something wrong with you when you don't agree always and ever and and we read it there earlier you know in first corinthians 6 uh, it's very important to be able to have open dialogue and to be able to give your opinion and to be able to have your own opinion and that is what is supposedly uh, you know a democratic state or a free free liberal society but the free liberal society that this agenda wants is to shut down anyone who does not agree with it or who will not come and partake of it. And it's very similar to what happened in, in um, Sodom and Gomorrah. And you can read it yourself in, in, in Genesis. Um, I think it's like 15, 16 there somewhere. When, when the Lord came and he looked, you know, he met Abraham. And I love that that picture of, of Abraham as a friend of God. And it says that Abraham saw the Lord looking over towards where Sodom and Gomorrah was. And Abraham picked up in his spirit and, he, and, and the Lord said, shall I divulge to Abraham what I'm about to do? And he, he told Abraham what he was about to do to Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham cried out and interceded uh, you know, for that place. And he said, you know, if you find 50 righteous people there, will you save it? And the Lord said, I will. And he went down 45, 40, 30, 20. If you only find 10 people there, will you save it? And the Lord said, I promise you I will if I find 10 there. And he went, and, and it says that he went to Lot's house. The angels went to Lot's house. And, and the men of that city came and, and tried to break down the doors to, to get the, and they said, bring out those two men that came to visit you so that we can lie with them, uh, so that we can have sexual relations with them. And Lot said, no, please don't do this. And, uh, you know, there was utter depravity. And that's how that spirit works. It, it tries to take over and to, to overcome by, by power. And in order to do that, it must remove anybody who can stand up against it. And I'll tell you, men, it's time for men to stand up because they're coming for you. And just like Dieter, is that him who said that, Dieter Bonhoeffer? He said they came for the... Oh, the other fellow, sorry, Mar yes, pastor, yeah, Martin, what was his name again? Anyway, he was that German pastor, and he said, you know, they came for, they came for uh, the Jews, and I said nothing. They came for the communists, um, and, or was it, yeah, I said nothing. Uh, they came for the, the, the Catholics, I said nothing. And then they came for me, and there was no one left to stand up for me. And that's exactly what's happening. And, um, okay. How do we get onto that? <laughs> so, uh, you know, th that's why they left the girls live and why they wanted to drown the boys. And, of course, Moses came out of that. And out of that awful, you know, torment for Moses' mother, she gave birth to this beautiful baby and saw that, he, that there was something special about him. Again, the Spirit of God in her 
telling her, protect this child. And so she sent him off down the river in, in this basket, and his sister Miriam went and walked to watch, see what would happen. Who happened to come down as a coincidence? I don't think so. There's no coincidences. There's God incidences. God incidences. But um, who comes down only Pharaoh's daughter to bathe in the river? And she hears this baby crying, and she says, oh, it's one of the Hebrew children. And Miriam, quick as a flash, comes on the scene and says, would you like me to get a woman to nurse that baby for you? And uh, Pharaoh's daughter says, yes, you know, <laughs> totally oblivious to the whole. And, and Miriam goes back and gets her own mother, this baby's mother, and, and brings her to Pharaoh's daughter and says, this lady, she'll nurse him for you. And uh, she, she nursed her own baby, and she got paid for it. <laughs> Pharaoh's daughter said, if you, if you nurse, if you feed this baby, I will, I will pay you. And then she brought him into the palace. He was raised, he was educated, and he became Israel's deliverer. But you see, they, they cried out, and, and you read it there on Thursday night, I think it was, um, Brendan, wasn't it, uh, in, where it says, uh, you know, Moses went went off uh, for out to the wilderness because the Lord always brings his people through wilderness experiences. There's, there's training and there's, there's um, experience that's got in the wilderness that you cannot get in the high mountains, uh, you know, up, up in the, the heights of life. And uh, you read that on Thursday night, um, Exodus 2 there and verse um, 23. Years passed and the king of Egypt died but the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant promises to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and he knew it was time to act. And you know yourself, he brought them out. But I just want to um, look at Psalm 71. Okay, because we're not talking about... Uh, that today but just to lay a foundation you know when God's people cry out in Psalm 71 <clears throat> the devil tries to get us to give, to give up and to shut up uh, and you know, tells people God will never show up and he's a liar. Amen. Okay. Psalm 71. Oh Lord, I have come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. Save me and rescue me for you do what is right. Turn your ear to listen to me and set me free. Be my rock of safety where I can always hide. Give the order to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. My God, rescue me from the power of the wicked, from the clutches of the cruel oppressors. O Lord, you alone are my hope. I've trusted you, O Lord, from childhood. Yes, you have been with me from birth. From my mother's womb, you have cared for me. No wonder I'm always praising you. My life is an example to many because you have been my strength and protection. This is why I can never stop praising you. I declare your glory all day long. And now in my old age, don't set me aside. 
Don't abandon me when my strength is failing, for my enemies are whispering against me. They are plotting together to kill me. They say, God has abandoned him. Let's go and get him, for no one will help him now, and no one will rescue him. And you know, that's what the enemy is speaking into so many people, where there's difficult situations. He's, he's, he's speaking words of discouragement. He's, he's causing things to happen that discourage and try to derail and defeat people by th- making them think that somehow there's something wrong and God won't help me. God will not deliver me. And um, this Sam goes on, uh, you know, but I will keep hoping for your help. I will praise you more and more. In 15, I will tell everyone about your righteousness. So you see that in 14 there, I will keep hoping for your help. You know, it says in Hebrews chapter 10, cast not away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Don't throw away your confidence in God. You know, and just like the Israelites, when the devil put the crushing oppression and affliction on them, what caused, what it caused to happen instead of of beating them down and getting them to give up, it actually caused them to flourish and prosper more. Why? Because they leaned more on the Lord. And the Lord is our strength. And the more opposition and hostility and hatred or problems or, you know, whatever it is, sickness, it doesn't matter whether it's sickness, relationship, um, issues with your own health or your mental health or whatever, uh, issues with your finances or your business. It doesn't matter what it is. But as uh, as you are pressed and being crushed, well, as you lean on the Lord and as you come into that place of deeper relationship with him and, and trusting in him and proclaiming his word and doing what he tells us to do, living right and, and declaring his word, what's going to happen is you're going to increase despite the circumstances and you are going to see your enemies defeated and turned back. And um, that's what happened, you know. In, uh, and, and the rest of that psalm goes on, you know, and just says, I will shout for joy and sing your praises, for you have ransomed me. And the last verse, 24, I will tell about all your righteous deeds all day long, for everyone who tried to hurt me has been shamed and humiliated. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the promises of God. In Psalm 69, just back a couple of pages, save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. You know, there's an ad that used to be on TV there. I don't know if it's on much anymore. But it was, you know, about a woman who was sitting in a kitchen and who had, like, so many bills. And and she just was trying to hold her head. And and suddenly the whole kitchen filled with water. And she was, like, drowning in the water. And then light appeared. And it was, you know, I don't know, some some bank or maybe it was Mabs or something like that. Uh, Maybe it was an ad for them saying, you know, we can help you and, and we can bring you out of this. And, and that's what many people feel like, is that, you know, they're in the water and that, it's, they're, that they're just about to go under. But in Isaiah 43, and this is why knowing the word of God is so important, in Isaiah 43, God says, even if you're in raging floodwaters, the waters will not overcome you and you will not drown, you know? And so that's what the, the word of God does, is it brings hope, which brings an anchor for the soul. If you think of a huge ship 
who's caught out in, in a storm uh, and, and they put down the anchors and it's the anchor that's going to tie that ship to the ground and keep them from being toppled over uh, and from all the lives on it being lost. And so hope is the anchor of our soul. And, and that's why the Lord tells people, don't throw away your hope. Don't give up. Do not give up your hope. Because God will come through for you. And it may not come the way you had planned and the way you had wanted it, you know, but he will. Um, uh, You know, uh, we try and tell God sometimes, well, you know, it would be so much easier now if you just did this. And then that would work out and all that. But you see, God sees the whole picture. And there are things that, that we learn in the wilderness, as I said before. I've been through many wilderness situations in my life. And, and I was crying out, and it wasn't for the dent of, of not crying out to God. Uh, you know, and, and yet, now that I look back, I can see all of the things that, that God used to shape me and, and you know, my, my family and, and, and has used for good for now. Uh, that we would have never had uh, those skills or, or, or that empathy or, or anything like that. And, you know, it's not that the Lord causes bad things to happen. He doesn't. But he certainly will use what the enemy has tried to do to you to, to help you to come out of that season stronger and a different person. And that's what the Spirit of God does. He changes and transforms us from the inside out. And he changes our mindsets, our attitudes, our responses. And, and we become stronger. And you see, that's what the, the culture of the world right now is to try and beat people down and make them weaker, make the men into women and make the women all confused and, and totally pervert the family and, and uh, you know, education, everything. It's seeped into how many, you see this uh, uh, Bud, whatever they're called, Budweiser and Bud Light uh, took, uh, decided... Uh, in, in this this um, marketing executive in her great intellect which you know uh, I'm not condemning that girl or anything but God you know just she decided that it would be a great idea for a woman to advertise um, a beer and uh, so she got uh, not a woman but she got a trans woman uh, to do it well uh, the the um, she felt that, and I'm quoting her, that uh, their customers were actually um, faffish and out of touch. And so they needed to be brought into the new way of thinking. And so she uh, arranged for this trans woman who tries to look like Audrey Hepburn, uh, you know, who, who was a beautiful film star in the 50s and 60s there. And uh, so this man is trying to dress up like that woman. It's a total counterfeit and a total fake. It's not Audrey Hepburn and it's nothing like her and never will be. You know, every one of us are individuals and there's only one of us who will ever live. And uh, anyway, she, she brought this around and um, the, the public, anyway, who drink that particular beer spoke... And five billion was wiped off of their stock on the on the markets. And I'll tell you, that's only the start of it. And that's what people need to do. And my mother has been saying it for years, we need to have a revolution. And I'll tell you, I actually think she's been prophesying with years. People do need to have a revolution. And they need to stand up and say, enough of this crap, you know. And uh, it, it's like the story, I don't know if you've ever seen the children's movie, Ants. 
And, uh, you know, you have all these ants that are wonderful uh, workers that have this amazing home and colony under the ground. And suddenly these nasty grasshoppers come. Um, they're way bigger than the ants, of course, but there's way less of them. There's only like, I don't know, 20 or 30 of them. And they come and they steal all the ants' food that they've stored up for themselves. So the ants have to work twice as hard. It's a brilliant movie. And anyway, one ant who's sort of not good at anything... <laughs> suddenly looks and says, but there's more of us than there is of them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the end of the movie, anyway, this one ant who was kind of wiped off as being sort of a useless ant actually ends up saving the whole colony and, and gets them all to realize that together they are stronger. And, you know, this is, I believe, what the church needs to realize is that God has called us to arise and to shine Amen. for your time has come. Amen. Amen. And not to be afraid and not to be bullied and beat down because yes the flood waters it might seem like the flood waters are raging but Jesus walked on the water and he had Peter to walk on the water and he will do the same for you he's no respecter of persons so praise God let's get back to reading Psalm 69 okay Psalm 69 save me O God for the flood waters are up to my neck deeper and deeper I sink into the mire I cannot find a foothold I am in deep water and the floods overwhelm me I am exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. Those who hate me without cause, and Jesus, you know, this was quoted about Jesus. Those who hate me without cause outnumber the hairs on my head. Many enemies try to destroy me with lies. That's how the enemy will destroy people. Make no mistake about it. People think that the devil is so powerful. No, he's not. It's lies he uses. That's how he defeats people. Is through either lying to them or lying about them or, or, you know, just promoting lies and getting people to believe the lies. And that's what's happening worldwide is people are, are, have been conditioned now in the past number of years. They have brought in uh, gay marriage. Uh, as I said earlier, I am not a homophobe. I have no problem with homosexuals. They can live whatever way they want. But don't try and make me accept it and, and say that it's right because it isn't. And according to God, it is an abomination. But uh, to actually say that, they, that, that they, what they have is a marriage is not true because it was God who came up with the idea of marriage. And marriage came in the, in the garden and it's between a man and a woman. And, uh, you know, they, what they did was they manipulate people's emotions and they start telling people, uh, you know, well, what if it was your grandson or what if it was your granddaughter? Wouldn't you want them to be happy? And then they came in with the abortion and they brought the similar tactic and it's a lie and a deception. Well, what if it was your daughter uh, who had been raped or whatever and, and, and was, was, was suicidal? What if it was, you know, this situation and putting all of these kind of emotional burdens on people and manipulating their emotions rather than allowing Allowing people to think for themselves, you know, and that's so important. And we saw that last week, that one of the, the groups of people that Paul ministered to, they searched the scriptures for themselves and made their own decision. And, you know, that's God, God honors the, the, the autonomy of an individual to, to live uh, in whatever way they want. He has given us a free will. And it is our choice. But please, don't make it uh, the only choice the way that you want to live. 
And, and, and that's what I think, uh, even regarding the church, the way that, that uh, you know, such hatred and persecution comes against the church, I think that the church uh, as a whole has never listened to, because I believe that most people who are Christians are not homophobes, and they are not against anybody, you know, uh, this is something that, that the enemy has done, is to try always to cause division, and to cause, God loves all of his children. He loves them and he desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of him. But there is a lining up with God's word and doing what is right and repenting and turning from sin and acknowledging sin. And that's why, you know, when somebody comes to the Lord, you must acknowledge that you are a sinner. For many people to, to get breakthrough in an area of life, it's something I, you know, I found it myself even back along the years in, in different situations that were going on. It's very easy to blame somebody else or blame your past or blame this one or blame that one or whatever. There are times, you know, where God really brings breakthrough when we finally stand before him and acknowledge who we are, what we are, what we've done, where we've come from, and, and how we've got ourselves into this mess. And that's how, you know, that's humbling uh, yourself before the Lord. And I, I don't know, I may have not explained that properly now, but I just want to be clear, I'm not an advocate of, of homosexuality or anything to do with it, but I do not hate people who are gay or who are lesbian. I do not hate them. And it is my, my mandate from God to love them, to pray for them, and to pray that they will come and experience the love of God and know him in relationship. Um, you know, And it is not my job to judge anyone, because I have to judge myself so that I will not be judged and that is you know removes all that that sort of weight of of responsibility from me then what who am I responsible for on this earth I'm responsible for myself you know and everybody else's as well and everyone has been given their own brain and their own understanding and uh, you know all we can do is present the gospel to them and and Tell them that God loves them, that he desires for them to be blessed. He wants them to be happy. And, and, and you know, we, we need to lay out those commands that he has given, which are sin, and lay out the, the commands uh, that bring life and blessing. Amen. So um, that's Psalm 69. Right. Uh, just to, find, to finish for today, in, in um, 2 Kings, I think it is. You know, many people are involved in stuff and, and are going through things. And uh, this week, our article in the Outlook sort of dealt with that, about private tears, about things that people go through, situations and, and heartache and hardship. And that's why we can never judge anyone, because you don't know, you know what they've walked through. You don't know where they've come from and what has brought them to that place. You know, just as in the same way, they don't know anything about you uh, and, and what's gone on in your life. And that's why judgment is so wrong. It's, it, Jesus is the judge and judgment is, is the very last day. And up until that moment, uh, God is willing and wanting all men to repent. Um, in, in 2 Kings 18, it's a, a bit long, so um, I'll just skim through it, but... Uh, you have this king called Hezekiah. He was a very good king. He, um, just to say there, he, he was faithful to God. Um, he tore down 
um, in verse six, in verse four, sorry, he removed the pagan shrines and smashed the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah poles. That means those things that that the people were worshiping in the land and and observing as as God bowing before them. And you know, the Asherah pole is very much representative of um, of female fertility and in in particular abortion. And and so he removed those things and tore them down. And I believe that as the church, uh, you know, starts to to see a, a move of God's spirit, what you're going to see is in people's hearts and in their lives, there is, those things are going to be torn down, those strongholds that have been uh, put in there and built up by the enemy to trick and deceive people, they will be uh, ripped down by the truth of God's word. Amen. Uh, he broke down the, the bronze serpent that Moses had made, you know, which God had got Moses to make at the time when the serpents were biting the people because they were murmuring against Moses. But what did they do? They started actually worshipping the snake and, and, and took their eyes off the Lord. And so they, they were offering sacrifices to it. And uh, he tore that down. And he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. And there was no one like him among all the kings of Judah. Wouldn't you love? Imagine that's written about Hezekiah. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything. And he carefully obeyed all the commands the Lord had given Moses. So what happened? The Lord was with him. And Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. And then what happened? He revolted against the king of Assyria uh, because up to that point, the previous kings had been paying money to their foreign adversaries in order to, to keep them at bay so they wouldn't uh, you know, um, come in and, and conquer them as they had done before. And so the, the king of Assyria and his crowd got really upset about that. And they were already, the reason Hezekiah refused to give him the money was because they had already invaded northern Israel and Samaria and had taken all these towns and cities. And he decided, I'm not, why would I, why would I uh, give to something that has, has torn apart God's, God's people? And so um, next thing that happened is that this lovely commanding officer called Sennacherib, even his name is enough. Uh, you know, it sounds like a vicious name, and he sure was. Uh, he decided to uh, surround um, uh, Jerusalem and, and come against Hezekiah uh, to take over all of Judah. And you see, Judah is, is the line that Jesus came out of. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He came out of, of uh, the bloodline of Judah. And so in attacking Judah, Satan was now after crossing a boundary line uh, because these were God's people. And you remember what we read earlier, that it was God's people who were being oppressed. And when they cried out, God heard them. And he always defends and, and, and uh, delivers his people. And Sennacherib, in verse um, 19, he made this big speech. He had plenty of words. Uh, and he said, this is what the great king of Assyria says. What are you trusting in that makes you so confident? Do you think that mere words can substitute for military skill and strength? You see, he was, what he was criticizing and condemning there was the word of God. Because these people he knew trusted in the Lord and in his word. And he was saying, we are far more mighty 
than, than your, your piddling words, you know. He's saying, you're, you're wasting your time. And um, he said, who are you counting on that you have rebelled against me? On Egypt? Well, that's not going to do you any good. And then he says in 22, but perhaps you will say to me, we are trusting in the Lord our God. And, you know, here he's mocking, he's mocking God's people for trusting in God. And then 23, he says, I'll tell you what, strike a, ma- a bargain with my master. This is very similar to the, the proposal that Satan gave to Jesus when he was in the wilderness. If you will only bow down to me, I won't do it to you so, okay? And this is what this guy's saying. If you will strike a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria, I will give you 2,000 horses if you can find that many men to ride on them. And again, this is the enemy's agenda, is to get rid of the men, the ones who can uh, rise up and protect and defend. With your tiny army, how can you think of challenging even the weakest contingent of my master's troops? even with the help of Egypt's chariots and charioteers. What's more, do you think we have invaded your land without the Lord's direction? The Lord himself told us, attack this land and destroy it. You see, the lies that the enemy spits out of his mouth, that venom, and and was somebody weak here, they would have listened to that and said, God told them to come against us. And, And this is what people are being bombarded with every day of the week. God, why have you, Jesus cried it out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, you know, and, and as we sang earlier, he was forsaken so we could be forgiven. Jesus endured that so that never again would God's people be left alone uh, to, to fight the enemy for themselves. And here, you know, these, these people saw this uh, as they saw what the Lord did for them. Uh, he went, go down to 28, listen to this message. Oh yeah, the, what, what happened then was that uh, the ones who went out to talk to him, to try and reason with him said, look, talk to us in Arabic, don't speak to us in Hebrew, because otherwise the people who are up in the wall, they'll hear it and they'll, you know, they'll get frightened. And of course, Satan will never uh, do the right thing. And so he started speaking in Hebrew. He stood up and shouted in Hebrew to all the people on the wall, listen to this message from the great king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Don't let Hezekiah, so Hezekiah was Judah's king, deceive you. He will never be able to rescue you from my power. Don't let him fool you into trusting the Lord by saying the Lord will surely rescue us. This city will never fall into the hands of the Assyrian king. You see, that's what Hezekiah had been telling them. Don't Don't worry. The Lord won't let this city fall into the hands. He will rescue us. And your man, this um, chief of staff uh, of of Assyria was saying, don't listen to what your king is saying. And uh, so he said, make peace with me. Open the gates and come out. Then each of you can continue eating. You see, the enemy, that's how he does. He's a chameleon. He's a serpent. He, he, he's, uh, takes on whatever form uh, will, will, will get him the best opportunity at the time. And so here he's talking to the people in a very nice manner. Just to open the gates and come out. You can eat whatever you want. And I'll take you to a really nice place. And I'll give you really nice homes and everything everything will be fine don't worry Uh, and what he says here at the end of 32 choose life instead of death that's the devil always takes God's words and twists them that's what God told 
uh, through Moses, he told his people, choose life and don't choose death. Hear the devil. The devil knows the word of God backwards. And he knows every, every single letter and, and character in it. And um, so don't listen to Hezekiah when he tries to mislead you by saying the Lord will rescue us. Have the gods of the other nations ever saved their people from the king of Assyria? What happened to the gods of Hamath and Arpad? And what about the gods of Seravaim, Hena and Iva? Did any god rescue Samaria from my power? That they were their nearest neighbors. Did any God rescue them? No. What God of any nation has ever been able to save its people from my power? So what makes you think that the Lord can rescue Jerusalem from me? And here the people did what they were told. The people were silent and they did not utter a word because Hezekiah had commanded them, do not answer him. Listen, the quality of leadership uh, has such an impact on the outcome of the battle. And Hezekiah had already spoken and directed the people of what to do. And to be fair to the people, they did obey him. And they didn't open their mouth or speak. And then uh, after the people were silent and the, they came back into Hezekiah and he and, and all of his uh, people in authority all tore their clothes, which was a symbol, an outward symbol of of humility before God. They put on burlap or, or um, sackcloth. And uh, what they did was, was they, they humbled themselves before God. And they said, you know, Lord, this is what we're facing. We have no power. We've done what you told us to do. And now it's up to you. We're looking to you. And so they kept a right heart about it. And um, then uh, Isaiah the, who wrote the book of Isaiah was the prophet at this time and he sent a message and uh, he said in verse 5 uh, say this to your master Hezekiah this is what the Lord says do not be disturbed by this, this blasphemous speech against me from the Assyrian king's messengers listen I myself will move against him and the king will receive a message that he's needed at home. So he will return to his land where I will have him killed with a sword. So again, you've got the word of knowledge here from the prophet. And, uh, you know, that brought stability uh, to them that God had answered them and that he said he's going to look after this. And then Sennacherib came uh, again. He, he heard that there was kind of trouble at home, but he sent one more message. And, and this is what, you know, this is how the enemy operates. It's constant bombardment with negative things, with bad news, with, with, with uh, turmoil and all kinds of chaos and confusion. And he's saying, don't trust your God in verse 10. Oh, sorry, we've moved into chapter 19, uh, 2 Kings 19, 10. Don't trust in your God in whom you trust. Sorry, don't let your God in whom you trust deceive you with promises that Jerusalem will not be captured. You know perfectly well what the kings of Assyria have done wherever they have gone. They have completely destroyed everyone who stood in their way. Why should you be any different? Have the gods of other nations rescued them? My predecessors destroyed them all. And then uh, it says, this is, oh, sorry, that's what he actually wrote. And after Hezekiah received the letter in verse 14, 
and read it. He went up to the Lord's temple and spread it out before the Lord. You know, there's some things that you may need to spread out before the Lord. I, I, I feel this very important is that, you know, the Lord ministers to people through study and even through writing out things that have gone on or things that are troubling you or whatever. Write it out and bring it before the Lord. That's what Hezekiah did here. There was nothing else he could do. And he spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed this prayer in verse 15. O Lord, God of Israel, you are enthroned between the mighty cherubim. You alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth. You alone created the heavens and the earth. Bend down, O Lord, and listen. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to Sennacherib's word of defiance against you, the living God. And then he says, it is true what he said. Everything he said, they have destroyed all those other nations. Uh, but of course they could destroy them because they were not gods at all. They were only idols of wood and stone shaped by human hands whom they worshipped. Now, O Lord, our God, rescue us from his power. And then all the kingdoms of the earth will know that you alone are God. And so what happened was the Lord sent a message through Isaiah again and said there down in verse 32, his armies will not enter Jerusalem. They will not even shoot an arrow at it. They will not march outside its gates with their shields nor build banks of earth against its walls. The king will return to his own country on the same road he came. He will not enter this city, says the Lord. For my own honor and for the sake of my servant David, I will defend this city and protect it. And that night the angel of the Lord went out into the Assyrian camp and killed 185 thousand Assyrian soldiers when the surviving Assyrians woke up the next morning um 35 sorry yeah uh when they woke up the next morning the ones who survived they found corpses everywhere and then King Sennacherib of Assyria broke camp and returned with his tail between his legs to his own land he went home to his capital of Nineveh and stayed there and then as he went in to worship his own god a false god in his temple his two sons came in and killed him and so all of the words that God had spoken about this particular situation came to pass and it is no different for you I know that was long and thank you for your patience but listen there there is, you know, what joy for the nation whose God is the Lord, Amen. it says Amen. in the Psalms. Amen. And, you know, where Hezekiah uh, took the stance of leadership under God, had he buckled, you know, that whole place would have been, there, there would have been no victory there. Amen. But because he stood and because he humbled himself before God, because he was right in God, you know, before God's eyes, he repented. And, you know, in, in humbling themselves like that and tearing their clothes, there was repentance for sin. There was, uh, you know, all of that. And, and coming before God and looking to him and God did not allow their enemy to prevail and as we read earlier in Psalm 71 that's always what the enemy will speak to you there's no one who will rescue you there is no one who's big enough to, to take me out or to take this down and he's a liar, amen, amen. so praise God amen. Lord we just pray now together thank you Jesus, thank you, Jesus. hallelujah Let's say this together. Father, Father I, thank you I thank you that you know all about me. You know all about my past. You know all about my present. And you know all about my future. And you have good plans for me. Plans to prosper me. To give me a future and a hope. 
I declare, I declare the blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus has, washed me has washed me and cleansed me. And, cleansed me. and I, I, repent I repent of all of my sins. Of all of my sins. And, I thank you, Jesus, and I thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. And I thank you, Lord, I thank you, Lord that you are for me. And that your Holy Spirit lives inside of me and directs me and shows me the way to go. I declare I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And in Jesus' name, all of my enemies, all of those situations that have been going on, I declare the enemy will be turned back. The devil's a liar. Your word is true. Jesus, you are faithful and true. And I lay before you every situation. You know it all. The things that have grieved me. The things that have made me cry. The things that have worried me. I bring them to you. And I lay them before you. And I thank you, Father. You are for me. And not against me. And you will work out everything the devil has tried to do. You will turn it around for good. Because you are my Redeemer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I pray you would receive that today. That the victory is yours. Hallelujah. The victory is yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. I pray this blessing now over everyone in this room. All our families and loved ones wherever they are. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his shalom, Amen. in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.